Last week, our theme was about spending less or spending differently. And so maybe it seems a little strange that this week is then about giving more. And you hear those two themes next to each other and you think, well, how does that work out? Um, but this morning, we are going to talk about how giving is a reflection of God's love for us, but maybe we think about how we might give in a little bit different way. Jen, if you could go ahead and put up that picture of St. Nicholas. This is Nicholas of Myra. And a lot of the um, stories surrounding his life are um, their stories. We're not sure where exactly truth uh, stops and, and tale begins um, in Nicholas's life. But um, we do know that he was a uh, bishop of the city of Myra, like I said, uh, early 300s A.D. And, and his giving uh, was a reflection of his love for God. He was willing to go through persecution and uh, prison uh, for his faith. And uh, so his legend has kind of morphed into uh, Santa Claus, and we've, our culture has kind of taken that even further and kind of morphed this holiday into a, kind of a commercial um, Nightmare. <laughs> um, but uh, there is something for us to learn about giving. And as we talk about this, that this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you um, for coming, for being with us. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the central core teachings that binds all Christians together is the belief of the incarnation, of God taking on flesh and coming and living and dwelling with us. Christians argue about a whole lot of different things, but this is one of those things that is central and core to who we are as followers of Jesus. An incarnation means that Jesus is fully God and fully human. It's possible that uh, Bishop Nicholas was present when the church was affirming these beliefs that Jesus was, in the words that they used, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And actually, we sing these words um, sometimes in the carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. If you have a blue hymnal... You can open that to number 212. We're not going to sing it. Blue hymnal number 212. Verse 2 has these words. True God of true God, light of light eternal, our lowly nature he hath not abhorred. And that right there is why we don't often sing this verse. Because uh, it's a little clunky uh, rhythmically, musically. It's not a word that we use uh, very often. It's not a very Christmassy word. But then the line after that, Son of the Father, begotten, not created. It might be kind of 
clunky, rhythmically, not words we're used to very often, but is rich theological affirmations of who Jesus is. Fully God and fully human coming and living with us. These words are grounded in the beginning of John's account of the gospel. In John chapter 1, at the very beginning we read this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. God enters the world as a human called Jesus. And John tells us that the incarnation, the, the gift of Jesus, was for a reason. And uh, Mr. Chet read that out of uh, John 3, 16 and 17. And many of us memorized this very early on when we were children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son or only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to show us the loving heart of God, and to rescue and to redeem that which had been separated from God. The Advent Conspiracy book reminds us that God had a face and a voice. He lived with real people, and there's something incredibly tangible about God's gift. See, God doesn't just stay up in heaven, up there, detached from his creation. God doesn't just look from afar and say, oh my word, look at the mess that they're in. God doesn't just send a, a text message to us through the prophets, I love you. Of course, love would be L-U-V. <laughs> you. It's not a shared meme, it's not a retweet, it's not a Snapchat, it's not a FaceTime video. God's gift to us is real, in the flesh, presence with us. See, God's gift was personal. God doesn't just send a bunch of presents. God doesn't just throw new toys at us, say, I love you. God gives himself. And if Christmas is about celebrating the God who gives of God's self, maybe we need to give more of ourselves to those around us. Maybe building, strengthening, mending relationships. How could our gift giving be more meaningful and personal? The gift of God, the gift that he gave was costly. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, Paul writes about the extent of God's, the cost of God's gift. Paul writes, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God's gift cost him everything. Relational giving costs. It costs time. It costs energy. It costs stress. Relational giving makes us vulnerable. If you've ever given you know, a homemade gift to someone, maybe a gift that you've spent a lot of time and effort on, or, or you just you think, man, I've really... This shows my love to them. And you give them that gift. There is that moment of vulnerability. How are they going to receive this? Are they going to like it? Are they going to appreciate it as much as I've put my heart and soul into this gift? You put yourself out there whether they're going to appreciate it or not. Giving ourselves means we may get hurt, abandoned. You know, God takes great risk in giving us this gift. What happens if no one receives the gift? When you think about the cost of God's gift, and you think about what relationship costs to build, sometimes buying stuff is the cheap way out. It's the easy way out rather than investing relationally. So God's gift was personal. It was costly. And God's gift bridged the gap. God says, I can't just let them waste away. I can't just let my creation waste away. And so God comes to the rescue. Go ahead and put up that this picture. Some of us have seen this picture uh, used to help uh, explain uh, what salvation is about. Humanity is separated from God by the wages of sin is death. This is out of, out of Romans. And Jesus comes and the cross is the way for us to get to God. Jesus comes and and bridges that gap so that we can get to God because we have been separated from God by our choices, by our decisions. And there's a a lot to like about um, this picture and this uh, understanding, and, and it helps us get a picture of what God does. We do make poor individual decisions that are sinful, and the truth is that we are separated from relationship with God. But I think there might be more to this. We are part of a world that is not what God intended it to be. And so uh, this comes from uh, theologian Jeff Holsclaw, who, who provided these uh, drawings. We live in a place in, in the kingdom of death. We are slaves to sin. We are captive to the powers. And Jeff has this to say about this drawing. He says, on one side is humanity. We are within the kingdom or the reign of death. And that comes out of Romans 5, 14 14 through 17. He says, we are slaves to sin. 
And we are captives of the power. But on God's side of the kingdom of life, the redemption from sin and liberation from the powers, the bridge is made of three stones. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Here's the main twist between these two pictures. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God is coming to us. God comes from heaven to earth. God comes to the damned and the sinners. God comes to the enslaved and captives. God comes to seek and save the lost. The totality of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection witnesses to this. Salvation comes to where we are. And this has always been the case. From Genesis to Revelation, God seeks to dwell with humanity. And God is pursuing humanity, bridging every divide, overcoming every obstacle. This is the victory of God. Not that we leave the place of sin and death, but that God overcomes by coming to our place of need, of desperation, of death. It's not that Christmas isn't about giving. Last week we talked about spending lesser, spending differently. But Christmas is about giving. But God doesn't give stuff, he gives himself. It's an expensive and lavish gift. It is the life of God for the life of the world. And in Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, God isn't just waiting for us to find God, but God is actively pursuing us. And Jesus tells a story about the 99 sheep, that the shepherd knows where they're at, and what does he do? He doesn't just stay home, stay in the barn, hoping that one's going to magically find its way home. But the shepherd leaves to go and find the lost sheep. Elsewhere, Jesus says his kingdom will overpower the gates of Hades. I love that picture. Often we, we kind of have this image that hell is just coming against the kingdom of heaven and, and we talk about uh, hell won't overcome heaven. And that's true, the reign of God. But in this image, Jesus says, look, we're going and we're attacking and we're breaking free, people free from slavery, from death, from oppression. We don't have to go searching for God's good gift. Because it's not just a thing. Sometimes we as Christians turn Jesus into a thing. And we talk about the um, heart plug. When we try and plug the, the God-sized hole in life. And often when we use that imagery, we just try and move on then with life. We've plugged that hole, we've met that need, and move on. But instead, God gives himself. It's a relationship. It's been personal and costly to God. It will be personal and costly to you. But it brings life and rescue and freedom. We're invited to simply receive God's gift of himself. Like any personal gift, even God makes himself vulnerable. 
putting it out there. As vulnerable as a baby in a feed trough, as vulnerable as an accused criminal on a cross. If you'd like to know and talk more about what it might mean to receive God's gift and to become a part of that kingdom of God through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, I'd love to talk with you more following the service about what God's love is about and how great is this gift of Jesus. For those of you who have received the gift of Jesus, you are invited to give more. To give more of yourself to the relationships around you. To give in ways that invest in friendships and relationships. And to give in ways that allow others to see Jesus. God in the flesh who comes to show us the heart of God that gives life, that rescues us from sin, and frees us from the powers. This is God's gift. Personal, costly, bridging the gap. Because God loves us. Sent his one and only son, not to condemn the world, but to rescue, to save the world. As we draw our time of worship to a close, I invite you to rise in body or spirit and turn in the brown hymnal to number 269, How Great Our Joy.